Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. In recent messages, we've talked about starting a new journey like Abraham. We talked about how exactly to do that in the spirit, that it can't start in random works, which lead to exhaustion, or in grace alone that leads to laziness, but rather that according to scripture, the starting place has to be a place of faith, which will then empower and motivate and lead you the right way, so that God can then send the grace to accomplish the works that he desires to be done because he knows what will be fruitful and what won't. Again, we talked about exactly how to do that. That the scripture tells us very plainly and clearly that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that those who come to him must believe that he really is God giving him the attributes, not us. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so that everything begins in the seeking. When we come and we pray and we talk to him, we ask questions, we seek, we worship, we wait upon him. And then he begins to respond in different marvelous and unexpected ways. And once we know what it is that he's trying to say, both in the logos and in the rhema, logos being the written word of God in scripture and rhema being what he speaks to us directly in our heart and in the prayer closet. Remember, the Bible tells us that his sheep know his voice. And that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, if we have not heard it from him, then we can't put our faith in it. Because if we do, it will deceive us. It will not be fruitful. It will be useless at best and destructive at worst. So we pray, we wait, we seek, we hear. We begin to move by faith like Abraham did following the leading of his spirit, trusting in what he said, no matter how hard the enemy comes to try to pluck up the word that he has spoken, that seed of faith planted in our hearts for a promise given. We keep our faith in his faithfulness. We keep praying, we keep praising, we keep reminding ourselves of it daily. And then we see him begin to pour out the grace to achieve it in impossible ways, ways that we never could even imagine, much less accomplish without him. And then he brings everything together to do the work, whatever is needed. He brings the resources. He even gives us the energy to complete the task that we are given. So that we never lack for anything that we need while following his lead and doing his will. Even in Gethsemane, Jesus had to pray for strength, but God gave it. It says he was strengthened by the angel of the Lord. He could not have endured had God not given him the grace. Because while he was divine, his physical frame, just like us, was but dust. Yet he had faith. He trusted God. In fact, the scripture tells us that he despised the shame of the cross. He did not want to have to do it, but it says that he entrusted himself to God. 
as a faithful creator, as a good father. He trusted God's plan, God's will, and God's love for him. Maybe you have gone through this process too, or know someone who has, and you have seen it produce good fruit and amazing victories and breakthroughs. But since then, you've gotten off track a bit, and so that now God is calling you back because it's time to start a new journey with him. So today we're going to read Paul's words to a church who had experienced exactly this. This church had it right at one point, but then someone who was led of another spirit came in and confused them and began to push them into being more focused on the labor than on the Lord. They relied more on their doing than in the abiding. They put their faith more in the what? Then the who? Oh, what do you want me to do? What do we need to do next? What needs to be done? What, 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 what? Oh, Lord. No, no, no. It's not about what. It's about who. Fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll stop sinking. Just follow his leading. He'll do it through you. So today I ask you this, my friend. When you pray, do you ask God what you need to do? more than you ask for him to come and do or be or visit with you. Because I really want you to think about it today. If your prayer life consists most of, God, what do you want me to do? Then what does that tell you about where your faith really is? It's in you. And you can't do it. You're the bride. You're not supposed to. Because you're not the husband. Stop trying to be him. Stop trying to overrun and lead and control. Come back to a place of worship and dance with the king again where you begin to see that he is the one who has to lead. You have to learn how to follow. You abide and love and worship. And ask him to fix and to provide and to guide. The majority of your time should be spent in loving worship. And the rest will flow out of it. Because if you spend more time working or doing your own thing than you do with your king and spiritual husband, then you are failing as a bride. And the relationship won't survive. Something else will come in and steal your heart from him. In fact, something else already did. Because you were bewitched. You believed the lie that God wanted this, this busyness, this constant labor to someone unthankful, ungrateful, unsatisfied. And you could never live up to it, so you got discouraged. Then you got offended. Then you got defensive. And then you got hard-hearted. And then you got arrogant. Because the Bible clearly tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when it comes, it is a wellspring of life. It's time to come back to the beginning and relearn who God really is 
and what is expected of the remnant. Believe that he loves you again. That he wants you and wants to help you to run this race to win. That he wants to do life with you and focus more on your relationship with him. Believe again that there is a promise, a plan for you to bring you a good end. One that is expected and planned, a destiny, a purpose. Not for you alone, but for you and him. He wants to bring you with him on this journey like a husband does with his bride when she leaves her father's house and journeys out to start a new life. So trust him and leave all the other lovers behind. That's all that he really is asking of us, the bride. So today we're going to read Galatians chapter 3 to see what happened when this particular church got deceived, got busy, fell out of love with Jesus and started following false doctrines, trying to live out their life without him, which of course was not working. You can't leave your husband and try to do everything yourself and still think that you will make it into the promise. Because the promise isn't our inheritance. It's his. We inherit it through him. Because we are married to him. Therefore do we get to live with him in New Jerusalem. We can't do it without him. He's the one that really matters. We need him. He is the key to our blessing. And our promises. The best way I can kind of maybe help you to see this is with the story of me and my own husband. Because early on in my life, I didn't know to seek God and wait for the right one. So I made my own decisions and I ended up with a counterfeit that cost me everything. So I prayed and I said, okay, God, what do you want for me? Who is the husband that you pick for me? And so I waited and eventually God revealed it to me very clearly. And then almost immediately, the enemy began to fight and to try to steal that word away from me to make it seem like this was some impossible thing. But I stood in faith on what God said. I took steps in the right direction. And eventually, God, by his grace, brought it all together in perfection. It wasn't easy. The devil came very hard against it. But in faith, I obeyed. And because of it. God gave me many blessings. In fact, my husband inherited his father's house, his father's land, which I now live in and steward, not because of me, but because of him. But I had to put my faith in what God said so I could get into position to receive and to possess and to stand in my place of authority in the promise. Now, I had no idea any of this would happen when that journey started a long time ago, but I can see a parallel in it that God is using to help me to understand the process. It helps me to remember that it's not about me and what I can do because I would not be here had I not chosen to surrender, to submit to God's will, God's plan 
God's timing and God's purpose. God has truly blessed my husband. And all of those blessings have been my provision as the bride. I can't leave my husband and go do my own thing and think that I will receive those same blessings because they aren't coming from me or my laboring. They're coming from him. My role is to love him and to be a good steward of them as I abide in them because I abide with him. So in other words, prioritize your relationship. If I ignore or rebel against my husband to do my own things or even what I think is right, my own works or follow my own vain imaginations, then I am being an adulterous bride. And it is no different in our relationship with God. So let's see what a church that has been seduced by another looks like. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we read this, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. In other words, this is what I want you to understand. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Again, tying faith to hearing because faith is believing or trusting in what God has spoken. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit that you now would think that you would be made perfect by the flesh? You know, I see this happen in ministries many times. A person will get a word from the Lord, a promise, a destination, and they just run and go try to make it happen themselves. And they cause all kinds of messes and get so off track because they take every apple that the devil places in their path. He, therefore, it says, that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations shall be blessed. So then they which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. Right? Abraham heard a word from the Lord. He believed. He began to follow God's lead. And that what he walked out in faith, God then poured out through grace to his generations, even to this day, that the that all the nations can receive of the blessing and promise of Abraham through his seed, Christ Jesus. Abraham couldn't go and make it happen. In fact, when he tried to, it caused problems. Even to this day, my friend, don't be foolish. This church in Galatia once knew that, but someone came in and bewitched them. 
I encourage you to go and read the whole chapter. This is where we get those famous words of the Protestant Reformation that the just shall live by faith. Now, we don't really understand, I think, fully what that means because faith is not just believing because we can believe anything. We can believe in error. We can believe in idols. We can believe in demons. But again, faith comes by hearing. That's why the chapter started with the fact that they were saved by the hearing of faith. In other words, they heard the truth of what God had to say and they chose to believe it. When he came and preached about the death, burial, and resurrection, when he came and preached about forgiveness, not only of our sins, but the requirement to forgive others of it, when he came and preached selflessness and humility and all the fruits of the spirit when he came and preached about new Jerusalem and his second coming when he told us to keep our oil trimmed and to love him and to abide to continue in his word praying and seeking and hearing and following the leading of his spirit daily to not start trusting in our own vain imaginations our logic our doing what we want what we think what we feel we've got to continue surrendering our will for his. That is what faith really is. It's love. It's trust. It's a relationship. It's a marriage covenant with Jesus. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.